from Kirkco Media. This week on Life Done Better. I think that if nothing else, if people are going to improve their life, you need to have a friend, partner, someone that you can share authentically everything. It's just so nice to release it because it's energy that's stuck in your body that you need to get out. And I really think venting is so important. That's probably half the reason I have a therapist is like, you are here to listen to whatever is going to come out of my mouth. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeYoung. Renee, thanks for being on the show. I know how busy you are, and I am thrilled to share you with all the listeners. You've been such an amazing friend to me. Oh, well, thank you, Jill. I'm very grateful even just to have this opportunity here today. It's what a, a great break it is that I get to just chat with my best friend for an hour and a half. <laughs> you and I share so much. And over the years, I've seen you evolve in ways that you know I just find really impressive. And I've always been intrigued by the clarity of your life's mission to become a lawyer. And I think it's quite unusual for a child to know at an early age what she wants to be. Did you experience injustice or other emotions at that very young age that you use as fuel to step into this career? I certainly did. And so it was interesting living in Jamaica, you know, I was, we were very poor and we had like one TV and one channel. And on the channel, there was a show called Matlock that came on and it was, it's Andy Griffith show way back in like the eighties. You know, he's this old white guy who's a criminal defense lawyer who specialized in murder cases. And what I loved about him is that he was a little quirky, but he kept winning and he kept digging in to make sure he had the right facts so that he could represent his clients well. And it was just really impressive to me. And I think also it was also the only thing that was on television. <laughs> but <laughs> it's interesting that I saw myself in that character. But as I went through my years of schooling, I was always very passionate about history and law and you know the inequalities that, especially in America, that I saw. And so I moved to America when I was six years old and I could recognize the difference from, you know, even at that young age from, from living in Jamaica to America and how I was looked at differently because, you know, I had an accent, I was brown and just, I was different. And so going to school, as I went through my course of studies and saw where impacts were really made in society on people's lives, it's because of lawyers, lawyers and judges who worked, you know, hard to understand what the issues are. And so that we can have changes in the law to make society a little bit more equal for everyone. And we still have a lot of work to do, but I'm an advocate and I can't go out and like fight, uh, but I can fight in a courtroom. And so that's what I do is I try and, and fight for the disenfranchised and the marginalized people and for people who need help. Absolutely. And, and not only like when, I, when you talk about being a warrior, like some fun facts about Renee. For many, many years, Renee's Halloween costume is Xena the Warrior. Mm-hmm. And uh, her love for the Games of Thrones is off the chart. She'd organize like custom parties, Games of Thrones food, and even a birthday cake. This is just so authentically you. Yeah. You know, you seem like an unapologetic version of yourself. And I do know that it's not always been like that because when you were younger, you know, you had your own struggles and insecurities. So you've grown into like being you. Do you remember some of the events in your life or decisions that you've made that made you step into your power more and more and more? 
I find it interesting when I see particularly other women who are trying to find themselves and they're trying to do all these different things to get to where they are. When if you really just sit with what is it that you like? What is it that you love to do? What seems right to you? What seems like a good use of your time? You know, and for me, especially as busy as I got practicing law, I wasn't able to chip away at the things that were, were me. And so when I find something or someone that is more aligned with who I am and my values, it's really easy to choose that choice. So I would say that I have been proud of pretty much every decision I've made in my life because I don't make decisions lightly. And I would say that one of the decisions that I made that really helped me become more authentically myself was unfortunately getting divorced. I was, you know, stuck in a marriage where someone was not uplifting me at all. And in fact, chipping away at the essence and the core of who I was. And I just had to get out of that toxic relationship, which was really hard because I had a child with this person and it wasn't just breaking up our family, it was breaking up her family. And it was a tough decision to make. And I'm, gosh, almost six years out from my divorce now. And it was literally like just someone just took a veil off And this was like, there's Renee. You know, when you have someone that's not aligned with who you are and actually chipping away at the core of who you are, you forget. And so I have spent the last six years, I think, just reintroducing myself to me. And part of that being, you know, now with a a current husband who really gets me, who gets my nerdy side. So for instance, my ex-husband, he hated the fact that I watched Xena over and over again. And the thing is, I have a really tough job, right? I'm in the world. I'm in all the societal issues. I represent all types of clients, businesses, everything. It's a tough job. So when I am ready to unwind, I want to watch some silly little show or I want to watch Star Wars or I want to watch Lord of the Rings because this is me. It was to the point where if I wanted to watch Cena, and yes, I've seen them all a million times, but if I just wanted to decompress and just have it on, he'd criticize me. And then it's like, I don't know why you keep watching the same thing over and over. And I said, that's not even the point. So as hard as that decision was, That was probably the one I'm the most proud of because I can definitely say that I am authentically myself today. Yeah, that was a real turning point. We've been through it together and you've, you know, you've helped me with my divorce too. And so we both needed that in our lives to really uncover who we truly are. And, and, you know, we just needed a new start. Yeah. And I've, I've done that actually with a lot of friendships too. If it's not serving you, and I think especially lately, life is short. I mean, think about what we've just dealt with in 2020 and, you know, the amount I've lost people. We keep losing people. It's like, live your authentic life. Like, let's say there's someone that isn't serving you. And if you're going to just talk to them about it and say, hey, you did this and, you know, this is really not what I needed or this is how I felt about it. Mm -hmm. And I've had hard conversations with people and then they just couldn't take it. You know, that's not something I want to change or deal with. So they've moved on and I've moved on. It's been fine. In fact, it just allows my life to be uplifted with more wonderful people that actually can serve my needs. Absolutely. You know, who do you invite to your home? You've had obviously to deal with all the emotional turmoil that came into our lives with all the political issues, the police brutality, George Floyd. How has that affected you? Pretty greatly. I would say, you know, 
COVID was one thing and it's like, you're already isolated and you are not able to see people that you normally can see. You're not able to do the things you love. And then you're now tied to the news and what's going on because you're trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And to see all the racial and inequity in the discord in our society right now, particularly with the election that's coming up, it is, it's overwhelming. And, and what it did for me was it just recreated all the trauma that I felt living in this country as an immigrant Black woman. And the amount of prejudice that I've had to endure and see, and that I've actually helped fight. It kind of all came to a head watching the divide in our country with people just not getting it. And it's exhausting because there are particularly a lot of white people that are like, hey, I didn't know this was happening. We didn't realize that, you know, I lived in the foothills of Denver and I was it for many miles in my community. And, you know, everyone would stare at me in the grocery store and they'd stare at me when I go to my kid's school because I'm the only brown person. Hey, and you're beautiful too. Don't, for, don't forget that. Thank you. And my husband always says, it's because you're beautiful. I'm like, yeah, whatever, maybe. You don't go unnoticed. That's what you're saying. Don't go unnoticed. I do know that you also woke me up. I'm like, really? You're Mm -hmm. dealing with that daily? I knew, you know, you had to deal with it in your your life. But is it really something that you feel is part of your everyday life? And you're like, yeah, let me explain to you. I'm like, really? And I also believe that you had to explain your husband quite a few times and, and his daughter, right? How do you explain that to them? So I have, my husband is white and my ex-husband was also white. And so I have a mixed race child and there is a certain privilege that he has as a white male who lives in this country, who owns his own business that I will never get to experience. And so as much as he tries to be an ally and understand, I said, you're looking at things from the lens of your experience, which is vastly different from mine. Not to say that your experiences aren't great and they're not yours, but you didn't necessarily have to work to overcome some of the things that I had to overcome. You getting stopped by the police is not fear-based. Those are things that I have to deal with if, if ever I'm experiencing that. So yeah, it's, it's hard. And it's hard, especially since I'm in a mixed race household to explain to my white husband and his white daughter and my mixed And it's really about how am I educating Jade, my daughter, to deal with the society as a mixed race child. Like I need to make sure in my household that we need to all be on the same team. And it's so good that you keep communicating because little things can really start adding up. Like if something is said or done and you don't say it out loud and you just kind of deal with it, deal with it, you start boiling and something else comes up and you're like, wow. So if you just deal with all these little things that come up, it's like, hey, you know what? Let's just address this now instead of it being built up and then, you know, make a big deal out of it. I think at this point, I'm no longer silenced. When I see racism or I see an inequity, I, I call it out in the moment. I've done it at work. I've done it in social settings. I've done it with my husband. Absolutely. I applaud you for that. Wonderful. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. A Moment of Your Time, a new podcast from Kurt Co Media. Currently 21 years old, and today I felt like I'm magic read extended from her fingertips down to the you base of my spine. You have to take care spine. of yourself because the world needs you and Trust your Trust me, voice. every do-gooder that asked about me was ready to spit on my like dream. Her fingers were facing me. You can feel like your purpose and your worth is really being questioned. going to stop me from playing the piano. She buys walkie-talkies. Wonders to whom she should give the second dice. Cats don't love humans. We never did. We never will. We just find the beauty of rock climbing is that you can only focus on what's right in life. And so our American life begins. We may need to stay apart, but let's create together. Available on all podcast platforms. Submit your piece at kirkco.com slash a moment of your time. 
And we're back. And you're now in your apartment in Denver, been telling me that it's been snowing. And you're not exactly excited about that because you are dealing every year with seasonal affective disorder, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I was born in in Kingston, Jamaica, and Jamaica is a warm, lovely island. Uh, And this country is like right between the Tropic of Capricorn and the equator. I actually took my husband there in January and it was winter and the temperature average was 80, 85 degrees. So you cannot deny biology. And there's a reason people were born where they were. And you know, you have physical evolution to get you where you are. And there's a reason why a lot of, particularly people of color, but island people, they don't do well in the winter. This is people that live in Scandinavian countries or countries where, you know, in the winter where the light is, there's less sunlight and never mind the cold. It's a time to, I think, to be more inward. Like think about animals, like even bears, when it's winter time, they're sleeping for three months. And so I suffer from seasonal affective disorder, which I just really diagnosed or had diagnosed in the last two years. When I was living in Chicago, which is where I went to law school, I mean, there's no colder place in Chicago if people have spent a winter there where the the wind just cuts through you. And no matter how exciting and great the city was and how, you know, I wanted to start practicing law there, it was miserable to go outside for about five months out of the year. And so I would just work my ass off during that time. So instead of going out and doing anything fun, I just build hours. But that was a distraction on dealing with the issue of the fact that I I was unbalanced. And it's very simple that your serotonin level is just lowered because you don't have as much sunlight. You don't have as much things bringing you joy and bringing that happiness up. And then, you know, moving to Denver, the thing about Colorado that people don't know, it actually has over 300 days of sunshine, even more so than Hawaii and Florida and even California. And living in the foothills, because we're at such a high elevation, it gets cold and the weather is volatile. It's something where the weather does affect more people more than they think. And it certainly affects me. And it's that hot cold. It's that my body has to work extra hard. You know, in the winter, I'm not as hungry and you're tired. You don't necessarily want to work out. So I've really had to work hard to like manage that serotonin level, including this year in particular, starting to take medication. So I was on Prozac for six months and it was literally to to deal with winter. Weather affects you and affects all of your chemicals. And if you're in tune with your body, which I really have worked really hard the last few years to be, I can hopefully manage it. And I know you take hot baths frequently, but yeah, like I do remember how hard it was for you to start Prozac. You were like, God, I've tried everything for many, many years. Like I've been dealing with some type of depression and that could last for months in wintertime. And you know, you, you have tried so many things. And so you were on Prozac for how many months? Six months. So in October, which, you know, it's only a month from now, we had like three snowstorms in the span of two weeks that were just huge. And I'm like driving in it and it's just, I've gotten car accidents and it's just miserable. My therapist said, you know what, Renee, maybe we just need to take the edge off. And taking the edge off was, was just getting your serotonin level up. So I luckily was on a really super low dose, only 20 milligrams. And honestly, it really helped. It, it brought me back to myself where I was, I'm, I'm generally a very happy, fun person. And I love to make jokes. And I'm, you know, when you're yourself, you can, it's a feeling. 
And it, it was something that it, it came to me like about a month into the Prozac, it came and I was like, oh man, this is, this works. This is me. And as much as I just tend to be a very natural person, I prefer plant medicine and, you know, using my food to heal me. But this is just something that, that, that wasn't available at least this time. As you know, Jill, I'm, I'm working on the opioid lawsuit for the city and I have really understood addiction, medication and, and just the whole system. And it is not something that I want to in any way contribute to. But I get that there's some things that your body needs that medicine can help with. So once the weather got better, it was like right around April, May when the snowstorm stopped happening and I just was able to stop and I still felt like me. And it, it really felt great to know that I, I used it for the tool that it was and, and I don't need it. I'm glad it worked for you too, because it, it's just terrible when you're just trying to get through today, day in, day out. And also, you know, you are so hardworking and you were referring to your therapist and I always love hearing like what you guys talk about. And I'm like, okay, so what, you know, what did you discuss this time? Like, what is important to you? What are you dealing with? And I always love listening in because I do feel like we have a lot in common and I can learn from the advice that she gives you, the epiphanies that you have. I think talk therapy is wonderful. It's just absolutely wonderful. Like you just process, assimilate the information, the emotions. Like, I, I want to ask you, what is some of the best advice you were given in your life? I will say a lot of it came from you, Jill. Oh. And just to, to piggyback off of what you said before I answer that question is, you know, there was a lot of times where you would ask me a question that would make me say, oh, I should ask my therapist about that. <laughs> I think that if nothing else, if people are going to improve their life, you need to have a friend, partner, someone that you can share authentically everything. It's just so nice to release it because it's energy that's stuck in your body that you need to get out. And I really think venting is so important. That's probably half the reason I have a therapist is like, you are here to listen to whatever is going to come out of my mouth. And just knowing someone's listening to you, it's really great. So I would say some of the best advice, one of the ones that I, I really tried to imitate a lot, which came from you, Jill, was be the change that you want to see in the world. You know, obviously my, my job is what it is, but at home, I wanted my work, I wanted to have that balance. I wanted to feel healthy. I wanted to feel good. I wanted to inspire people, particularly other women, and be a good example to my daughter. Then I had to make some changes to do all of those things. And, you know, the biggest thing for me to feel good is to eat healthy and to work out. This is not something anyone has told. This is not new. It's really that simple. And now that I'm more in tune with my body and who I am, I can say, yeah, as much as I really want that one or two or three wheels of cheese, it is not going to serve me right now. Don't have to overdo it. Moderation. Figure out, yes, your joys and your your love of things, but also do it in a way that's not going to make you feel bad. And then the other really good piece of advice that I actually got this from Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. But she said, only cultivate the most enlightening of friendships. When I'm around people that are that have low energy or I can't let it bring me down because I am very much an empath and I feel other people's stuff and it might take me a little while to get out of it. And it took a while to learn that. It really did. You, you know, you also helped me tremendously with that because recently when you were in Maui with me, and you and I naturally, like we always want to help in any way we can, but it also means that we have to recharge more. And, you know, really take good care of ourselves to be able to give in those amounts that we give. 
So it was probably Saturday or Sunday. It was weekend. And I was going to sit in that lounge chair next to the pool that I hadn't sit in for months, probably. Months. I was just staring at it. And I'm like, one day I'm going to sit there. Right. (laughs) Bring your towel. We're going to sit at the pool and do nothing. And then I got the news that uh, my man invited friends over and they were going to bring their their son. And I'm like, oh no, like I need to rest. And he looked at me like, well, you can rest. It doesn't mean that you have to host or do anything for them. They're adults. If they're hungry, they can get, grab some food. They know, your, you know their way around your kitchen. They know, you know your home. If you want to relax, then decide. You're not going to let that be disturbed. And I was just like, huh, it's that easy? And so I practiced that day and I was amazed. I was just like, yeah. wow, I'm learning to let go. And uh, I got to tell you, it's come up quite a few times after you left. I was like, thank you, Renee. I'm so glad I can help you. And the thing is that you and I are givers, right? We're nurturers. I want to make sure that everyone's having, and that is so draining, right? Yeah. You can't control it all anyway. Yeah. And it is really letting go. And there's been times, uh, and I similar this weekend, my my husband had his family over and it was like, all right, so I have to cook and do this. But I got to the point where I have no problem with saying, all right, I'm done. And I just go to a different room and do what I'm like, you, they will figure it out. Again, we have, we set that high expectation for ourselves because that's what we would want. But most people, they don't need all that. <laughs> and if they do, they can tell us. Yeah. We need to like sometimes feel it and understand that it's okay to let go more and more. And that's also being authentically yourself. I think that we, you know, we both continue to learn wonderful lessons from one another. And the one thing I, you know, find really funny because we, we both are foodies. We both love cheese. And, and actually, for everyone that's listening, it's really handy to have a lawyer as a friend. Anytime I need legal advice or a contract <laughs> to be looked at, Renee's on it. And I get to pay her in bricks of cheese yes. and care yes. packages. <laughs> But the one thing that we don't share is the love of organ food. And what did you eat the other day? Chicken legs or chicken feet? I'm like, oh my God. Yep. Liver is my, actually I made liver for me and my dad last night for lunch because growing up in Jamaica, you ate what was put in front of you. And that's honestly, if you really care and love food, like that's where the flavors really are. And I know that you're not a a big fan of cooking a lot of red meat, but I love that when I was there and, and Eric in particular just wanted to, he's like, oh man, Renee's here. Let's have steak. Let's have lamb. Let's have this. (laughs) Oh, I I so enjoy your cooking. Like, I mean, I wouldn't eat the chicken feet or the organ meat but all the other stuff I'm like it's juicy it's flavorful it's different you know like I mean Mm -hmm. it's actually all that you are because you bring so many different flavors to my life Uh, oh well thank you that's so sweet we know we were just talking about giving to others and having that high bar I think one of the other things that I've learned to just keep myself more balanced is doing that level of self-care but it's like, I'm going to do that level of self-care for me the same way that I host a party. If I'm going to do that for someone else, why am I not going to do that for me? And, you know, there's many times where I'm exhausted. I'm like, oh, I don't want to bat. I don't want to do this. Like, no, you take care of yourself first. I mean, I don't even need to fill up the cup. I just need to get it halfway, but to fill it up. And it is like, do what you would do for your most prized guest for yourself. Ooh, I really like that thought. I really love that. 
it's that extra level of care that every person needs to show for themselves, but particularly women, because never mind jobs and, and husbands and how, you know, children and taking care of the house, those are all things that are falling upon us. It's ourselves that's usually last. And so I have worked very hard probably the last two years to put myself near the top of the list. I can't say that it's the top all the time, but closer to the top of the list so that I can be a more, you know, happy, balanced individual. And that really helped me more than anything help get out of my depression from the winter. Do you first and do it at the highest possible level. Without any guilt, really with enjoyment and let it not be on the to-do list, but let it be on the I love myself lists. Mm -hmm. I care so much about you and, and truly embody being your own best friend. Yes. Wonderful. I think I think this is a beautiful way to close. And I thank you so much, Renee, for sharing all your wisdom and so much love. I love hearing your voice. You know, this is like my weekly therapy session, and I'm so glad everyone could enjoy it. I love you, and we shall see you soon. Sounds great. Love you too, sweetheart. This episode was recorded for Kurtco Media, produced and edited by AJ Mosley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, my friends. From Kirkco Media, media for your mind.